Um, because I thought he was actually really good with Hertha last year. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. Klopp just has his, his boys. So it was... <laughs> I mean, Grinch wouldn't be yeah. like bad. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's Hardcore Football. I'm Phil Baki. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mika Burrell. Mika, it's, uh, it's been a little bit of a, of a break since we last recorded. Um, how you been? Has. I've been good. I've been good. How about you? Busy. I think yeah. like maybe sums up what's been going on and post post vaccine. I've been like able to travel a little bit. So like, yes. <laughs> which has been You'd cool to see it. Yeah. Awesome. New York good. and Chicago, uh, knocked out. Well, not New York city, but Chicago, yeah. Uh, we we went well, to so. well, like the New York City metropolitan area, right? That's where yeah. it's from. So yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, jealous. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, we were really lucky um, to be like driving distance uh, from both. Yeah. I use the term driving distance like pretty liberally here because it was like nine hours to New York. But um, well, I mean, it makes sense because if you were still in Texas nine hours, you'd still be in Texas. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it, it's it's been a a hot minute. So I, I apologize to all five of our, our listeners. Now, hopefully we have more than that, but uh, we're back now. We just needed a little bit of a, a, an extended spring break, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but, uh, we're back and talking the champions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're back to talk champions league. Uh, this episode a little bit different than what we have, uh, like normally rolled out with our, our focus on the domestic leagues, but in, in Europe, but, um, yeah, we'll talk champions league. Uh, and for those of you finding us for the first time, we're, we're on all your podcast platforms. So hardcore football, um, you'll be able to find us. It's a green soccer ball with a crown, um shout out to we haven't shouted him out in a while so shout out to mike pendleton for the hookup with the fantastic art you can yes. find it uh pretty easily it sticks out i think uh and you can also follow us on twitter at hxc football mika primarily runs the handle over there so if there's foul shit coming <laughs> out of the hxc football <laughs> that is primarily mika it's not me like i promise yeah. you <laughs> anytime i think i'm like mm, crossing the line possibly i'll claim it i'll claim it but <laughs> it is me a lot of the time so get at me <laughs> yeah oh i absolutely love that account too i I think I I do worry at times that there's a segment of Twitter that's like, is this motherfucker replying to himself? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, because I'm I'm often like talking to you, and I'm like, yes, I have thought of that. Like, do people think you're talking to yourself for like clout? Which is like, no, it's me. Anytime I'm like, you see hardcore football replying to Phil talks footy, it's me. I promise. Like, we're not fucking talking to ourselves. I'm not just running burners to have to generate soccer conversations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh uh, well, um, I mean, the champions league has been kind of crazy this season in the way it's played out. Cause the timelines of uh, between the legs are so compressed compared to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we got served up a set of quarterfinal second legs uh, this week that if we boil it down and across all four games, it felt like all four of these second legs had a little bit of an element of not quite for the underdog. Yes. I feel like if you did a four way parlay, like you're probably very happy because <laughs> they all went kind of how they should have, um, not the leg itself, but the tie. Right. But yeah, you're right. The, the underdogs just kind of not, not enough. And I think like, I think like, I, and I use the term underdog, but like in most cases, it may have been an underdog. Maybe in the Liverpool Madrid tie, you say the team trailing, like coming mm-hmm. into the second leg. I don't know that you, uh, in their current state, you wouldn't necessarily right. call Liverpool an underdog, but, um, but yeah, co- came in trailing and had chances. Like I think across all four of these games, the team that was not favored had a chance to get out of that tie and advance. And in all four cases, weren't able to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And actually, <laughs> I mean, are we going to start Liverpool Real Madrid? Cause I mean, Liverpool of all <laughs> <Yes>. of the, <laughs> of all of the teams to go out, I thought they absolutely dominated, uh, in the second leg. And, um, just, I mean, we we talk we've talked about it before. I'm pretty sure that the, you know soccer is one of the sports that you can play well and lose. <laughs> like yeah. it's very unfair in a lot of ways, and I feel like that's even more amplified in a knockout tournament situation where there is these moments that don't go your way, and then that could be the end of of the road for you. Yeah. And I think that's what we saw here with the Reds. But I want to give you the floor <laughs> because. You are the resident Liverpool fan, and I know you got some things to get off your chest, Phil. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the first thing that comes to mind with this game is last year um, in the the matchup against Atleti, which obviously both Madrid sides uh, matched up with Liverpool. Not, I think that was actually the round of 16, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Yeah, I think, yeah. Yes, it was a knockout round for sure. (laughs) But the round of 16 against Atleti last season, uh, the the match at Anfield was very different in the sense that it wasn't a nil nil like this one today. Um, And it it was characterized almost more so by the chaos of it. It went into extra time. Liverpool looked like they had won it late on. And then Mm -hmm. uh, Llorente and and all of that, like just crazy you know that game was very chaotic but I think the common thread between the two games is Liverpool's performance was far better than the result Um, Mm. that match uh, against Atleti at Anfield was characterized by like the likes of Oblak and Thomas Partey like playing out of their minds to keep Mm -hmm. Atleti in it Um, this one was a combination of Courtois and Casemiro. And so these like same sort of threads, these same sort of, uh, you know, a a great goalkeeping performance combined with some, a little bit of shithousery from a DM who, who knows his way around. Um, (laughs) and, uh, and all in all, Liverpool had the chances to win it. 
same as they did last season against Atleti. They had the chances to come away with the victory here. And it honestly could have been quite comfortable if a couple of those first first half chances um, had been put away because Madrid, though they did have a couple of moments, like I'm not going to take too much away from the way that they played. And they, they clearly came with a game plan from Zidane, but um, this was Liverpool's uh, a big opportunity for them. Um, and the, the couple of chances there in the, especially in the opening about 20 minutes were guilt edged. And if those are put away, um, I think we're seeing a a much different story uh, around Liverpool, but it's been the story of the season, I guess so far that the finishing just wasn't really there. Um, And therefore Liverpool make an early, well, I say early exit, but exit at the quarterfinals um, and aren't able to, to push on in the champions league. And now it's uh, I guess as we look forward to like what, what's next for Liverpool, it's, it's all the league now. Got to get top four. Got to get top four, and it, it's going to be tr- a trophyless season um, yeah. after all the conquests that Liverpool have have you know been on these past two three years. So, yeah, a bit of an adjustment. Um, I thought Klopp's tactics were pretty good. To be fair, I mean, it was kind of back to basics in a lot of ways. Like yeah. just play energetic, press high, run hard you know, be, be first to the ball. Um, and, and they did that. They were absolutely dominant, but I mean, it, you, you talked about the chances, some of the guilt edge chances early. And I, maybe it's that old cliche that a lot of them were too early. I mean, I think of the one <laughs> in the second minute, yeah. the Sala scuffs with his heel and it's just like painful. Like you might, I don't know if you felt this way watching it live, but me watching it back was like, Oh, it's one of those. It's going to be one right. of those games. Yep. Um, and, and, um, and Mohamed Salah in particular, I thought was, I mean, I, I won't claim to be, have watched Liverpool closely all season long. Obviously everyone knows how, how their season's gone, but I, I just can't remember a time where he hesitated so much on the ball. Yeah. Um. Even, I mean, you know, he tries that that second minute chance first time and it just scuffs his heel. But there's other times where he takes like two, three touches, like stands on the ball, then tries to set himself to shoot. And it just, you can't do that against Real Madrid. You know, yeah. they will, you know, get back in position and, and, and defend. And uh, it's, it was just weird. Like, I, I just don't, I can't think of another time I saw Mosella do that and, Firmino obviously wasn't happening for him. Obviously, he's not the most prolific player anyway. That's not been his remit, I guess, in this Liverpool side. Uh, Mane kind of having a, a shocker of a season, <laughs> all yeah. things considered. I, th- I thought he played all right, though, actually, but yeah. just not happening for him in general. And so, yeah, poor finishing. But also, like you said, Courtois was excellent. He He's so huge <laughs> like, <Yeah>. physically <laughs> in the net that it's just like, when you see him come off his line, it's like, the, I mean, there's no angle. Yeah. Um, and you saw that, you saw that late with some of the chances that Liverpool had, but yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy, I guess, about emphasizing mentality and, and like intangibles. But at the same time, I have spoken in the past about this, this notion of institutional memory, you know, and I feel like Real Madrid embody that in the sense that they can, 
pull out these results while not playing well. Sure. Um, and, and getting through these difficult moments, especially in Europe. I mean, they're the, the most successful team in, in UEFA Champions League, you know, 13 yeah. titles. I mean, it speaks for itself. So I guess it makes sense in that way that they just know what to do. They're experienced and, and, and Zidane, I think deserves a lot of credit too. I think, uh, a lot's been made about how he's just a great man manager. And I think that's super unfair. Sure. <laughs> I used to think that myself, but uh, <laughs> over the years it's, it's become clear that no, he, he does set the team up for success. He's very good at working with what he's got. I mean, again, this is a Sergio Ramos less <laughs> Real Madrid who last season, I mean, you saw Rafael Varane have a shocker Yeah. Uh, without him. I forget what, what t- round of the, the competition it was, but um, th- you know, this season, Edermilitao and Nacho, uh, I mean, they've been fine. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, obviously they've got Casemiro in front of them. That always helps. And, and two controllers in, in Tony Kroos and, and Luka Modric. But, yeah, I think Zidane's done really well because Real Madrid have had their own injury crisis. And you really don't, I guess, hear about it in the same way that you might a Liverpool or or, sure. or whoever. So, um yeah, I mean, got to give credit to Madrid, I guess, for getting through it. And, and, you know, despite not playing well, I thought Liverpool would certainly deserve more from this, but just not their year. Yeah, I think um, I think the interesting thing about this Madrid side is the, well, that despite the fact that they may, this may not be the best edition of Real Madrid, it is, there are a few teams in Europe that you would want to hand a first leg advantage to. So I think ultimately this tie, despite the fact that the second leg, it was still for the taking there for Liverpool. I think this tie will more so be thought of as regretful in how poor they were in the first. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if they played with the same intensity in Madrid, I don't think we would, I don't think they would have been in the same position, like chasing the tie necessarily to the extent that they were not to say that Madrid wouldn't have potentially still had a lead, but maybe it's a little slimmer. Maybe they don't feel like they had to to play as much. And uh, something I've seen kind of floating out there and something that it, it does feel accurate for this Liverpool side is that it feels like they're just overplaying at the moment um, mm. where a lot of times some of these, some of these moves or some of these dangerous areas they're getting into, they're not actually even generating shots because everybody is so, and you, you mentioned with Salah, like taking extra touches, you know, looking for an extra pass where maybe it's not even on, um, where so much of their play for the last few years has been characterized by intensity and opportunism and like that instinctive, uh, sort of, attacking play and, and reactions and runs and, and all of that. So it just seems like when we're, when, when this Liverpool team is on the ball, they get really, they really overthink like what they're going to do. And so Madrid did a great job of, of frustrating them throughout the game. And then when those chances presented themselves, uh, Courtois or Militao or Nacho were throwing themselves in front of the chance and, Ultimately, yeah, yeah, a a solid win for Madrid. And and despite the fact that Liverpool maybe deserve more out of this game, like Madrid deserve to advance overall on the tie. So can't really even can't hate in that way. (laughs) And it's funny because, you know, and we'll we'll get into it, obviously, with the other ties. But 
a lot of people are saying like what what world is this where real madrid is like the least offensive like team left oh my god yeah <laughs> offensive as in like <laughs> offensive to like society not like attacking wise but right <laughs> it's, it's true it's fascinating it's but, true uh, phil like what's next for liverpool from the perspective of a liverpool fan because again yeah probably gonna be a trophy list season but is there something to play for and if so what is it I think the mentality snaps back to a couple of years ago um, when those first couple of seasons that Klopp qualified for the Champions League, it was by the skin of the teeth, you know, last day of the season stuff. I remember um, I remember the last day of the season against Middlesbrough, like 2016, 17, probably like that first Champions League qualification season. They... um Jeannie Wijnaldum scored a goal from like a really tight angle and it ended it. I think the game ended like four nil or something like that. It was a comfortable victory and they qualified for the champions league, but it was up until that Wijnaldum goal went in, there was like a ton of nerves in the stadium and everybody was hanging on it. I think that's entered back in where like every single game from here on out is just like, you know, without getting too cliche, like, it is a cup final. Like every single game (laughs) is so vital in chasing that, that champions league, because as much as, as much as we can write off a lot of what's happened this season as up to like, obviously major injuries, so many of these like incidents that have happened during COVID. And there's been just a ton of noise kind of around the team um, the potential departure of Genie one, all them, all this stuff that's kind of just been like vibrating around the, the squad. Um, as much as it's been written off, there is an element of like, we can't really go back. Like if we take this big of a step backward, like what does that mean for the rest of Klopp's tenure? What does that mean for, like how much does it reset and like give their ability to actually replenish this squad that looks like in desperate need of, of reinforcement. So, um, so I think that's where the nerves are now. Cause you can write the season off and say, yeah, it's an anomaly, but at the end of the day, like champions league football is important to a club like Liverpool's success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's no, there's no ignoring the fact that it's imperative that Liverpool make top four, both for revenue and recruiting purposes. I mean, I, I think Liverpool and, and everything they've accomplished in the past couple of years and having Jurgen Klopp there is still going to be a pull if they don't make top four. But even so, Liverpool are a self-sustaining club yeah. um, and, and rely on on making top four and selling well. Right. Uh, so and, and who knows how well you can sell in the you know COVID market. So... Yeah, I think that's super, super important on top of getting people healthy. Because, I mean, people, I think a lot of people are acting like this Liverpool team is suddenly shit. And that's just not, (laughs) that's not true. I mean, she's got good bones. You know, I think the spine (laughs) of the team maybe needs uh, some work. Maybe just like another center back, maybe certainly another midfielder for for Vinaldum's spot if and when he departs and and, and another attacker. Um, And maybe even some attackers out the door. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this is like, I don't know if this is uh, a forbidden thing to say or like sacrilegious, but I, I would think about 
you know, a Sella or a Firmino or a Mane or some combination of them moving on, just given their their uh, age profile and maybe the fact that it's gotten a little bit predictable. Um, I And by no means am I saying are they bad players, but I don't know. I think Michael Edwards certainly has <laughs> a big, big summer ahead of him. Yeah, I think to the extent that they can they can add pieces similar to to how they added Jota and not lose anybody in the yo know, I think to the extent they can do that that would be that would be preferable but certainly like if the price is right I I don't I don't think Michael Edwards is like overly sentimental to the point where he wouldn't pounce on an opportunity if he thought the value was good um mm-hmm. and the chance to refresh refresh like other areas of the squad as well um yeah, it'll, it'll be a very interesting offseason for Liverpool. But yeah, I think a lot of it is going to end, end up being shaped by whether they whether they get into the top four. And meanwhile, we got Jesse Lingard scoring Golasso's like left and right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we got to catch West Ham first. Uh, I don't know oh how God. the fuck that's a sentence uh, in. But 2021, <laughs> just the gift that keeps on giving. Um, Dear Lord. But. Uh, on the other side, uh, you know, Lingard on loan from United, but on the other side of Manchester, Manchester city, uh, they advanced to the semifinals, uh, a little bit of a hurdle overcome for Pep, um, in, in getting past Dortmund, not the easiest draw and Dortmund didn't give them, you know, an easy, an easy go of it. Uh, but ultimately man city able to get through the goals from from mares and and phil foden um the question the overarching question here came from jessica black our friend over at she knows arsenal um at it's jessinho on twitter uh did city play well or did they get lucky that emory chan was on the pitch both legs Oh, Jess, you're leading you're leading the witness i think you know what you want us to say um Emre Chan. Uh, I mean, first of all, I've never really liked him as a center back. I und- I understand. Seconded. Seconded. <laughs> I understand why he gets played there because he's you know like technically quite good, um, and and tall and can do all that. But he's for me, he's a midfielder. Yeah. Um, kind of you know an eight. Uh, so I'm not shocked at all that he's made some like high profile errors in that back line. Uh, obviously in this one, he, he gives away, you know, he concedes a penalty from a handball. It's, I can definitely see both sides of it where some are saying it's harsh because the ball hits his head for like, you know, he heads it, but his arm is in a position where it's like, that's naturally where the ball is going to go. Right. Um, and it's kind of, his arms kind of like bent in a way that almost looks intentional. Yeah. I'm not a referee, so who knows? But I mean. You, I guess in the age of VAR, you can't be doing that kind of thing. Uh, and yeah. sometimes it does feel like players just need to like not have arms to like <laughs> <laughs> avoid these calls. But um, yeah, no, that, I don't know that City played. I mean, City did play well, but sure. Dortmund definitely gave them everything um, that they got. And, and Emery Chan just was unlucky. Um, even though City won this this leg... Yeah, I mean, one both legs really. Um, I thought that this was really the Jude Bellingham show. Yes, <laughs> uh, he is. 
I mean, maybe you, all of us were wrong for making fun of Birmingham <laughs> City for <laughs> retiring the number because, goodness me, like he is 17 years old and he was barking at other players to give him the ball, like barking at his back line, clearing balls off the line, playing people in, like s- scored, you know, scored a sensational A wonderful goal. goal, yeah. I mean, just what what a talent i mean uh, someone that i could see in like cities midfield maybe like in the future I, I mean he was he was incredible the parallel i loved here was and i'm by no means a city fan so like yeah. don't take my praise of phil foden as like oh he's over to the dark side or something like that but <laughs> bellingham and foden kind of juxtaposed in this one on on either side of the ball it, just like highlighted obviously two really bright talents, you know, coming up through, uh, English academies. And now, you know, Jude Bellingham, uh, obviously playing his trade at Dortmund, but just some of the skill technique, uh, all of the, I guess like the, the grown feeling of some of these like kids coming up is, is really crazy. Like, um, and, and Bellingham's goal was that was grown man shit in the champions league. Um, <laughs> he celebrated Truly. though, like a 17 year old, cause he went for the full head first slide in front of nobody. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I, I just love like these kids and, and maybe, I don't know if Corona ball like has, has a like part to play here. But they just they just play with absolutely no fear. Like these kids don't mm-hmm. they don't show the signs. And I think it goes for a few like a few of these kind of young talents like that are coming up, like your Emile Smith Rose to to throw out yours, yeah. a Curtis a Curtis Jones for Liverpool. Like yeah. these sorts of players are coming up and, and just absolutely look one hundred percent at home amongst grown ass men. Um <laughs> and yeah. Jude Bellingham, yeah, scoring a crazy goal in in a champions league quarterfinal. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's refreshing to kind of see this like next generation coming up. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how they hang in there now that crowds are starting to kind of creep back in. And, uh, yeah. you know, we may be playing in front of full stadiums, uh, by, by next season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they stick that. with it. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about that, Phil, about the, the impact of no crowds and maybe, maybe the youngsters feeling like they can express themselves more because in the stadium, it is harsh. Like one misplaced pass and like <laughs> 60,000 people are like, you know, like yeah. it's tough. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Maybe that is, uh, that's been a blessing in disguise for some of the youngsters is just being able to play their game and make mistakes, but also make an impact like, like a uh, young Jude did here. But I mean, just like 17 years, what were you doing at 17? I was being a dumbass. I don't know about <laughs> you. Like I was not doing <laughs> anything close to as noteworthy as this young man. I was attending high school basketball games and heckling people. Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like a hobby uh, for me was, yelling dumb shit at other high schoolers um while they played basketball i wasn't even playing the game like i i couldn't play i was just heckling i was probably driving my best friend's forerunner when i didn't have a license like, nice <laughs> that's what i was doing at 17 but uh now that we're telling on ourselves um <laughs> yeah uh yeah he was he was awesome, but uh, you know credit to City though for, yeah. for for going through Phil Foden's goal. 
in in the seventy fifth minute is ridiculous. I mean, that's also a ridiculous goal. Yeah, Marvin hits though. I think probably should do a bit better there. Agreed. I mean, I, I'm not even gonna argue about the near post necessarily, but just the the time that he had because the the shot's pretty far out. Yeah. Um, but maybe the, the, his views obstructed by I think Holland was standing in front of him because it's sure. in the corner. But either way, awesome goal. I'm having I'm I'm reaching a tipping point with Phil Foden where I can't tell whether goalkeepers continue to like make errors or these near post goals are just extremely calculated. Mm. Um and the more that he does it because a similar thing happened in City's game last game against Liverpool where I thought like my gut reaction was Allison should do better there. And it was in a mm-hmm. game where Allison had a couple of howlers as well. So it was yeah. like, maybe that's just where my mind was at. But, um, but he continues to score from these type of areas. And it's almost like a Mason Greenwood effect where I'm like, okay, well, yes, is he scoring from there because like people aren't expecting it or don't know his game or aren't adapted like to how he plays. And, and maybe this is something that like he won't be able to do in the future. Foden continues to be able to score this type of goal um, and the placement of it, because in the end it does hit, I think both posts technically like as it goes in um, just the absolute like pinpoint accuracy of it. um, I think Foden just has a knack for, for finding those angles, but yeah, and this one hits maybe, maybe should have done better, but um, yeah, a a good goal and city through now. Um, into the semifinals having stumbled at this particular hurdle a couple of times um yeah in in the last two years obviously again high profile against spurs and then um and then against leon last seasons in the uh, mini tournament so uh can the, the question now can peps city like go on and do it yeah, I mean, this is uncharted territory for them now. It truly is. Now they've reached a semifinal. I think it's only the second time in club history as well. And, of course, first time for, for Pep, uh, Pep City. So I, I, I don't see – there's never been a question for me, footballing-wise, if they can go on. It's whether they can not mm, – how do I put this? I mean, I think in with Leon, I think well, yeah, with Leon, not not necessarily with Spurs. I think with Spurs, that was kind of like freak like tie. Yeah. Um, but with Leon, like I, they certainly got in their own way. Uh, I think, and so it, I think that's what it's about for City is can they not uh, get in their own heads? I think it's really a, a lot about mentality for them, and also with Pep and not not just like changing things for the sake of it. <laughs> Right. Uh, tactically or otherwise. So um, we'll see. It's it, it'll be fascinating. I, I think they have a real chance um, and the squad is just so talented and so deep. So I, I don't see why not. They just have to not get in their own way. The big question mark out of this tie is for again for the loser. Borussia Dortmund now out of the Champions League um, and kind of in a similar position to Liverpool with one key difference um, just outside of the Champions League places in, in the Bundesliga, but staring down the barrel of starting a new season next year with a new manager, Marco Rosa, not to rub salt in the wound, Mika, to your <laughs> Gladbach uh, loving right. heart, but the um, 
Rosa coming in and the squad in this kind of weird in between where they've got all of these kind of established players, but a ton of young, exciting talents coming through as well. What do you think is next for this Dortmund team? Um, And I guess like the big question mark right now is, can they actually qualify for the champions league? Yeah, I mean, it's been a disappointing season by all accounts in the Bundesliga. And of course, now they're out at the Champions League. So, I mean, you said it exactly, Phil, just like Liverpool, that will be their their focus is trying to get into Europe. Um, this squad, and, and we've spoken about it before, I, I and I, I think I said in a couple pods back that I feel like the the balance of the squad is weird. I mean, I, no, I, you know, no problems with the young players that are talented, the Reynas, the Bellinghams, the Hollands. That's fine. Sure. But their supporting cast for me is not good enough for what they purport to want to accomplish, which is, you know, challenging for the league, um, continuing to challenge in the Champions League and, and, and the like. So, I mean, we just spoke about Marvin Hitz. That goalkeeping department at Dortmund has not been good enough for years now. Like, I, I just, yeah. it's shocking to me that Roman Berkey is was a starter I think he's injured and that's why Marvin Hitz is playing I, I don't know but I mean th- what yeah <laughs> you know they need like I I feel that they've needed a new number one for for years now um so that'll be a place for them to look um and then again just around the squad I mean Marco Marco Royce is is getting older um he's not one you can rely on um in terms of injuries and availability uh, there's some players in midfield that, I mean, Thomas Delaney and, and in the back line, Mats Hummels is getting older too. I mean, there's yeah. just all these different pieces that I'm, that I'm like, I don't know that they can take you to the next level and, and adequately support the youngsters on the pitch. I think right. in training and in the locker room, it's fine. But like, for what are you, what is Borussia Dortmund trying to do other than develop the next big thing for the bigger clubs you know what i'm saying unless they're (laughs) fine with that but i i don't think they are you know right so yeah another another club that that are gonna have an interesting summer i think um do you think they hold on to holland this summer that's that's the big question mark i think and that was what i was gonna ask is like they there's been so much noise around a Mm. key piece and at his age um it's tough to gauge like how committed a player like that is going to be in the face of a big, big money move to a, especially if city find a way to like go on and win the Mm. champions league and a premier league. Like that's a tough prospect to turn down for a kid who's hitting like now superstardom on yeah. the European stage and with Aguero leaving, it's like this perfect storm of, I can be like the number nine for the best team in Europe. Um, and he seems just egotistical enough <laughs> to really want that. Even in the face of Dortmund saying like, you are the man, like you're the focal point of our whole team. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I I think it becomes less possible the further Dortmund get from the Champions League. Right. Yeah. I don't know that that Holland could tolerate a season outside of Europe's biggest competition. Um, 
But again, money talks. I mean, I think City probably have the they will find the liquidity somewhere for that <laughs> yeah. deal. But uh, but uh, oil price oil prices have been <laughs> not so good. Oh yeah yeah yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I I kind of feel that if they make the Champions League, he'll stay one more season and then move, hoping that maybe maybe the market will be somewhat normalized post COVID. I hope. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, no, you make a lot of good points. City does feel like the natural landing spot, um, given the situations of both both clubs and, and the player. The situation for Dortmund in the Bundesliga, seven points behind fourth place Eintracht uh, in, in those Champions League qualifying spots. They have six matches to go to make up a seven-point deficit. Those teams ahead of them are not exactly in poor form either. Um, Eintracht, right. <laughs> Eintracht and Wolfsburg have both been playing very well um, right. and continue to perform quite well. Um, so not an easy deficit to make up. Um, and Dortmund's final six games are against Werder Bremen, Union, Wolfsburg, RB Leipzig, Mainz, and Leverkusen. And the way this Dortmund team has played, I don't see any of those as a guarantee. No, 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 definitely not. And, <laughs> I mean, those are those are some. T- I mean, Leverkusen. Yeah, those are those are tough. Those are tough. The Wolfsburg game I see as a tipping point. If they beat yeah. Wolfsburg, have it like, and that's assuming wins against anybody they're above. So yeah. if we just give Dortmund the benefit of the doubt and say Werder Union. And Mainz, they will beat. That Wolfsburg game will tell us basically whether they can qualify or not. Agreed. Yeah. Challenges ahead for this young Dortmund squad. Um, we <laughs> stick around in Germany, though, because Bayern took on PSG. Um, another case of a team coming into the second leg, having a full-blooded chance to come away with with the tie and and advance and Bayern ran out of time almost mm. I'm not really sure how to classify this one because it seemed like it was Bayern at once Chupa Moteng scored it felt like Bayern's like Bayern were going to go ahead and like force home the winner mm-hmm. and it just never happened Yeah I I mean First of all, let me just say, I think this was the most quality <laughs> tie of yeah. the round. I mean, oh For my sure. goodness, just this is this is Champions League heritage, <laughs> this PSG Bayern <laughs> tie. Uh, it was it was awesome. Um, just breathtaking from Neymar and Bappe and Di Maria. And, and, and yeah, I think Bayern did run out of time, but they also were missing a bunch of difference makers, namely yeah. Robert Lewandowski, um, Serge Nabry. I mean, and then even some of the, you know, squad slash sometimes starters like Quentin Tolisso and, and people, I mean, the midfield was Alaba and Kimish, which I mean, it's not like they're, they're both extremely good technical players, but I don't know that that's their starting midfield necessarily. Right. Um, maybe Kimish and somebody else, but uh, PSG, they had a makeshift backline. I would say Dagba, Daniel Pereira, Kim Pembe, and, and Diallo. I thought, I thought though, given given how it isn't the starting backline that you would be accustomed to seeing, it, they they did pretty good. 
yeah. <laughs> against this Bayern side. Um, Lucas Hernandez, though, man of the match performance in Bayern's defense, mm-hmm. and next to a Boateng who's totally showing his age, I would yeah. say. A shell of um, his former self. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of almost cringe, like, watching Mbappe just kind of run away from him. Uh, to be fair, though, Mbappe, like, turned Benjamin Pavard, like, <laughs> he gave him twisted blood, too. So, I mean, Mbappe and Neymar were just incredible. Di Maria yeah. supporting them, and then uh, Gay and Paredes in the midfield just working hard, making making sure that the, the three of them could just attack, and along, you know, with Julian Draxler. So, it was just a really... Like, I'm all over the place with this one because there was so much about it that was... There was. Lovely. <laughs> um, and actually, PSG's finishing wasn't that good, but, like, it was... You know, they did enough in, in Munich to to go through, and I think uh, kind of like City... I mean, PSG made the final last year, so maybe it's not exactly the same, but I still sure. do think it's a, it's a coming-of-age kind of thing, and, like, we belong in this competition... Um, and, and by slaying the, the Bayern giant, you know, the trouble winners, um, I think that's another, another, uh, you know, feather in their cap and and can push them on just like city, you know, making it to the semifinal will probably do so for them too. Yeah. They're kind of like, they kind of banished their demons with this one. It felt like it felt Mm -hmm. like an exorcism for, (laughs) for PSG just because they were so flat in that final. Um, and, yeah. and Bayern really were, were just completely in control. The first leg obviously told us much more about PSG than, than the second. Um, I think very unlucky in a couple of moments, Neymar hitting the bar in particular, like a chance where it could have been one of those like signature moments in champions league history. If that goal goes in combined with the skill that it took to open that space up and, um, yeah. Yeah, I think this is such a strange tie because I do think that PSG on balance deserve to go through. Mm-hmm. But I think if Bayern weren't lacking the likes of Gnabry and obviously Robert Lewandowski, who's been the best player on earth for the better part of the last 18 months, mm-hmm. uh, like minimum, uh, I do think Bayern would have gone through. Yeah. Like okay. if Leva was in there, I really don't think that they, it stays three, three. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we'll never know, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, though, it's not like Byron had complete mugs on the pitch either. I mean, no, Kings no, no, no. Coman and, and Leroy Sané. Uh, disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely yeah. disappointing. I think, and, and Leroy Sané in particular stood out to me, and not not that I want to like rail on the player uh, alone, but just the decision making. Um, just I don't know. It's yeah. I don't know how well it's going for him at Bayern. It seems like it seems like he's almost being misused. Like I think they want him to be the new Aryan Robin, and he's not that player. What what made him so good at City was actually playing on on the left side, yeah. getting to the byline cross, you know what I mean? And not, not necessarily cut in and, and curl it. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know. Uh, obviously Hansi Flick has won copious trophies. So I'm not going to tell him how to manage his team. But it just feels <laughs> odd to me um, yeah. that Sané is not like, you know, world beater right now. Yeah. 
I think telling too that that Coman and Sane like started on the flanks opposite of what they're known for. Like Sane mm-hmm. is known as a left sided player. Coman scored. <laughs> Uh, actually, uh, I would say a hat full of goals, um, cutting in from that right hand side, not as a left footed player, but as, you know, as a skilled, skilled right footed. So, um, yeah. yeah, a little bit bizarre to see them taken out of that. Cause the, those goals against Atletico, Atletico Madrid in the group stage, like really stand out to me, um, for mm-hmm. Coman being on the right. So yeah, yeah, a a bit of a strange one. I think some of the selection headache, certainly like Bayern is going through a little bit more of a crisis than even they let on and, and, you know, them walking the Bundesliga again or not walking, I guess, but them, they're probably going to win the title has papered over, papered over some of the, the like broader issues, which is their bench. Um, Javi Martinez and Jamal Musiala came off of the bench in this game. The other players named on the bench, Bunasar, Tangi Nianzu, Alexander Nurbel, Joseph Stanisic, and Maximilian Zeiser. Five of those, I have no idea who they are. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, I don't know who half of those are. Meanwhile, like... PSG players who did not actually see the field, Tilo Kerr, Marco Verratti, Rafinha, Sergio Rico, Pablo Sarabia, Alessandro Florenzi, those, they were unused substitutes in this game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Levels. Yeah. Levels. So, anyways. Real quick, before we talk about what's next for Bayern, I just want to say shout out to the CONCACAF king, Kaylor Navas. Put some respect on his yes. name because... He was fantastic, and he's he's been so disrespected <laughs> in his career in Europe that uh, I just want to shout out a, a Costa Rican king. That's a, <laughs> that is really good. I was having a conversation. Wait, were we talking? I don't know. I was talking with someone about the fact that if Kaylor Navas was from South America or Europe, he would be considered like one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. Yeah. Um, and the fact he's from central America, like he just doesn't, he doesn't get that. Even though for me, he's objectively top five, like right now in terms of competition wins, he's gotta be at like for at club level. Yeah. For just winning trophies. He's gotta be at like one of the highest ratios of trophy wins of all time. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, he's just so disrespectful. I mean, Real Madrid tried to get rid of him for no reason like, yeah. whatsoever <laughs> for David De Gea, and I mean, it ended up not going through. But still, like, I just all facts, no printer, because no. <laughs> the fax machine exactly. broke is the, the reason I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> so. Oh my god! Also disrespected, who scored in this game? Eric Chupamoteng. Yes. You know what? People keep saying, like, oh, my God, like, his agent must be, like, fucking lit. Like, he got a move from Stoke to PSG yeah. and then PSG to Bayern. Comfortable being backup. Right. And and he's, and that's him. Um, so I'm not, like, that shocked that the big teams keep going out for him because he's fine playing that role, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah, shout out to him. He does actually score, so. Yeah. 
it it will always blow my mind that him and Jordan Shakiri were on a Stoke team that got relegated, but like right. <laughs> <laughs> Shakiri too has been at some big clubs, Bayern yeah. and, and Liverpool. So yeah. Um but yeah, Chupa Moteng uh got the lone goal. And unfortunately for Bayern, it was it remained the lone goal. Um and and not able to see this one through. They go out on away goals. Um Bayern maybe dissimilar to Dortmund and Liverpool who are sitting like obviously just outside of the Champions League places domestically. Bayern's way forward is maybe a little more clear cut in that they're not concerned about being in this competition again next season. That's locked up. Yeah. The question is, how do they compete in this competition again next season? Like, how do they get back to the level of being able to turn over a PSG? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think they're far off necessarily in terms of the player personnel. Obviously, they've already got uh, Diopa Meccano coming in, so he'll be part of that defensive core with Hernandez, Sula, and Nianzu, I think, is, is going to be part of that starting lineup. But um yeah, and then they've got midfielders that are just either getting healthy or, or you know, probably I, I would assume they might try and buy someone. Who knows? But, I mean, they've got Goretzka. They've got Muller probably is going to stay, you know, and continue to be him. I mean, they've got a lot of options. And then Lewandowski has showed no signs of slowing down. He just needs to get healthy again. So they're not far off um, challenging for everything as, as usual. I think what's what's really the concern at Byron is, is what's going on at, uh, you know, boardroom level and, and between Hansi Flick and, and Hassan Salihamzevic, because yeah. they are obviously right now, it appears at odds about the technical direction of Bayern Munich. Um, apparently I heard today on a podcast that I guess Oliver Kahn is being like drafted in to talk to the two of them to like make things you know, smooth things over. Um, Flick is obviously, he's very annoyed that Byron are not re-signing Jerome Boateng and just a, a lot of other, yeah. uh, th- you know, technical decisions that 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 is, Hassan has to make. You know, that's his job. Um, so I don't know. Maybe Flick doesn't stay um, on for next season. And I think that then becomes the question is, well, who who can lead these, this team forward? Obviously, Julian Nagelsmann has been the, the one name that keeps coming up anytime yeah. the Byron job is brought up, but um, we'll see. We'll see if Oliver Kahn can fix things, but I don't know. Hansi Flick looks more and more annoyed by the day, and he's had some comments in the media that are really interesting. So I think that's what's really the question at Byron is can they, you know, put the FC Hollywood shit to the side for a summer <laughs> and then get it together. So uh, I mean, history tells us no. <laughs> they will not right. be able to do that. No, I, I, yeah, the, the Hansi flick stuff is so crazy because for, a a co you know, a, a, a manager with the interim tag to come in and make such a massive difference, win a treble, all these things, um, and get offered the permanent job. And then for it to almost immediately like go South, it's just a wild story. Like it's just an unbelievable, um, turn of events that Byron have somehow turned this into drama despite being top of the league. Um, and looking <laughs> like they're, they're well on their way to another title. Um, the gap over Leipzig is only five points. Um, 
and I say only five, five is pretty decent, but compared to some of the other leagues out, out there right now, comparatively small, yeah. um, six games remaining, just like, just like we said, uh, with Dortmund and Bayern have Wolfsburg, Leverkusen, Mainz, Mönchengladbach, Freiburg and Augsburg and the earliest they'll be able to clinch the title as long as like assuming Leipzig keep pace um, would be that that Freiburg game the second to last day of the season wow so they're pushing them yeah yeah I mean I think they will win the title um, but I mean (laughs) it was always going to be tough to follow up a treble, I think. And, and, and I don't know that their fans, I mean, obviously the title isn't, you know, a given, like if you're not winning the title, then you're trash. <laughs> you know, and they've been <laughs> winning it for damn near a decade. So yeah. they'll, they'll be fine in that regard, but really it is just, will flick stay. Cause I yeah. think he's, I think the fans obviously are pleased with what he's done so far, but uh, if he can't get along with, those above, then that probably is it. I I got a real hot take that I'm formulating uh, right now, shit. which okay. is that I think the Bayern brass, given their history, given how they approach things, they like high profile. They like, mm. they are like, <laughs> they are clout chasers. Like ultimately <laughs> they love the story. They love like, yeah, they love the hot property, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that the Bayern hierarchy want Nagelsmann. Okay. Like, I think they want to get Nagelsmann. I think they may have wanted Nagelsmann when Hansi Flick took over as the interim manager, and he kind of threw a spanner in the works by doing as well as he did. Okay, Yes. I'm following. That's what I'm thinking. Cause I think their intention <laughs> was Hansi Flick is 100% interim. Like, and they just did not expect him to go out and win every goddamn thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's my thought. I mean, uh, you, you and camp came out the other day and said like, there's been no contact with Byron whatsoever, which we'll see. I mean, yeah, it's he's at, he's in a, situation that's unique at Leipzig and that I really feel like they are giving him a lot of leeway and to, to set the team up. Obviously yeah, Red Bull sure. has their way and you got to be okay with that. But uh, at Bayern, that's a different job in terms of the profile and the public facing. I mean, not that RB Leipzig's not public facing. They are a big club, but it's certainly different. Uh, expectations are different and all that. So I don't know if he'd be kind of walking into a buzzsaw or what, but uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Interesting times ahead for, for Bayern Munich. The last tie of the round, uh, Chelsea saw off Porto two one on aggregate, maybe not as comfortable as, as Chelsea would have liked. And this match in particular, like, I mean, we've saved it for last, but it's primarily because like, there isn't that much to say about this second leg aside from the fact that it was, um, there wasn't really anything in it, uh, espe- especially with uh, this particular stat. Uh, there were just three shots on target in this match, one for Chelsea, two for Porto, 
with two of these coming in added time at the end of the match. <laughs> well, there was that stunning shot in tour by Mehdi Taremi. Yeah. <laughs> the overhead shin kick in stoppage time. Obviously too little too late for Porto, but uh, that what a goal that was. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, so meaningless, but nice <laughs> nonetheless. Um, yeah, much less technical quality on display in this one, uh, you know, compared to PSG Bayern. And and I think this is kind of Chelsea's MO under Tuchel so far is like not making too many waves, not really exciting, but kind of hard, you know, hard to beat and just getting the job done. I think that's been Thomas Tuchel's, uh, you know, remit so far with, with Chelsea. Yeah. Um, the headline seemed to be Christian Pulisic getting fouled over and over, I think he ended up with 11 fouls or something like that. And, <laughs> and watching it back, like, they were targeting him because he was kind of just running around any which way he liked. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Chelsea make it through um, in Seville. And, uh, yeah, they are one of two English teams still left. And uh, it's, you know, considering where they were, I guess, I mean, it's not like they were like in a relegation dogfight or anything with Lampard, but to see them now in a Champions League semifinal is quite a turnaround. So kudos to them. Yeah, it's it's a really odd it's a really odd one because as, as for as many bright spots as as there have been uh with this this Chelsea side under Tuchel, obviously recently it's gone a little bit sideways like ever since you know the West Brom mm-hmm. result um that was like I really wish we would have been able to record in the wake of that because that was one <laughs> of the most like I genuinely felt like my soul leaving my body <laughs> because I was like this isn't possible like this yeah. like what I'm watching is not reality um <laughs> it's a fever dream <laughs> yeah uh, a big Sam team playing like f- fucking peak 2002 Brazil was just like unbelievable. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but this match, like to me, well, this matchup with Porto overall, it was, it was so odd because it was comfortable in the end, like, but it was, it was never settled. Like if that makes sense. Like they were always balanced on the edge where one Porto goal throughout this whole tie would send the whole thing like careening off. Um, and fortunately for Chelsea, that Porto goal didn't come until 93 minutes into the second leg. <laughs> if that goal comes any earlier, it just had that feel of like, it could go wrong. And that's where this like Chelsea team, I think is a little bit more fortunate than maybe the other teams that advanced. Right. I, it's interesting because you're absolutely right in that it could, it was, you know, on a knife's edge, but at the same time it didn't feel that way. Cause no. it was not exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so like, it's, it's uh, kind of weird in that way. Like Liverpool Real Madrid felt closer. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it felt more like despite the gap intense. being bigger, yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think it's maybe a capability. Just the quality. Yeah, I think it's a capability thing. And maybe it maybe it's just a little bit of frustration of mine with this Porto side because like I look at the lineup and I'm like, there's goals in this team. Like mm. loads of goals between Morega, like Tecatito, like these guys Diaz. like yeah. they know they can score. Like mm-hmm. and they score a bunch. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the quality against this Chelsea side, and and maybe maybe I'm not giving Tuchel enough credit for the way that they nullified Porto for that long. Um, and yeah, so I just think uh, that <laughs> that aspect of it, uh, Porto's side was just it was a little bit odd because yeah, you're right. Like for as close as the tie was, it really didn't feel that nervy for this Chelsea team. And exactly, exactly. And yeah. I guess credit goes to Tuchel a little bit, but also a little bit of, of shame on Porto for not being able to build on their, uh, their <laughs> Juve upset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was still a respectable, uh, Champions League campaign. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious though, like where Porto go from here, because we, we don't get to talk a lot about, yeah, you know, the the Liga Nosh, the the Primera Liga, and 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 we probably should because there are some big clubs in that league, and yeah. Porto certainly one of them. But um, well, and this title race is also extremely interesting because Sporting of all teams yeah. is top of the league, not the usual suspects of, of Porto and Benfica. <laughs> Porto though six points behind Sporting in the league, and. Uh, they don't actually play again the rest of the season. So Porto mm-hmm. will have to, to rely on other teams like taking points off of sporting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, from what I could tell Porto have been in pretty good form. I think they're, I think they're on like a five game, five, six game winning streak in the league. So um, yeah, they'll have to get some help from elsewhere in the league. But I think what's really stood out to me about, about, Porto going forward is is the manager Sergio Conceição. Mm-hmm. I mean, his contract expires in the summer, um, and he put off talking about an extension with the club because he wanted to focus on the Champions League. Um, and there's been chatter like around Europe that maybe someone in one of the top five leagues will want to take a punt on him. And yeah, I mean, you know, just for for people who are not familiar with Conceição, he is a Portugal native. Um, he's been excellent for Porto. I mean, his, his points per match is like two, almost two and a half points per match average as Porto manager, obviously had a respectable champions league campaign this season, knocking out Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus. Um, he, you know, before he joined Porto, he had taken not to seventh place from 19th before leaving (laughs) in 2017 for Porto. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's not, from my knowledge, signed an extension there. Um, so maybe he'll want a new adventure. I don't know. But then again, he has two sons in the Porto system. Uh, and he, like I said, he's a, is a Portugal native. So maybe he'll want to stay. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what what happens there. I think it's really, it's actually really interesting because a lot of Porto's poor form um, earlier in the year was sort of around the champions league mm. matches. Like it just yeah. seemed like that's where they were primarily stumbling or having more trouble. Um, they haven't had a bad season by any stretch of the imagination, but there's been some results that have been a little bit, a little bit poor. And I think, you know, primarily they'll look at like sporting got exactly what they wanted the last time they met in a nil, nil draw. Like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what they wanted. So the one, the one big match, like obviously 
all of these matches with a six point gap um, with, with eight matches to go in port in the Portuguese league will be huge for Porto, but none bigger than May 9th uh, where they face their massive rivals, Benfica in O Clasico. Oof. And that's for the fourth to last game of the season. So big implications big in, in big that one. one. Yeah. 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 Let's go. Wow. Yeah. That'll be, See? we might need to talk about that. Yeah. I mean, maybe we need <laughs> to put some respect on Portugal. We, we haven't, we haven't really <laughs> spoken about it as much. I know. I know. Yeah. They kind of fall by the wayside, but there's a lot of talent in that league to be fair. The, so Porto still in with a chance of, of winning the league, but they've made it a little tough on themselves in Portugal. Uh, but we've spoken about what's next for the losers. Uh, what's next for the winners is the semifinal. Uh, and we've got a couple of matchups here that, well, <laughs> I think we spoke about it. Like the four clubs left, and this is no disrespect to fans of these teams, like because I know there are loads of them out there between Madrid, Chelsea, <laughs> PSG, and Man City. Those are some massive fan bases, like globally. Yeah. In terms of, as you said, maybe whether it's human rights or like <laughs> uh, whether you think like football should be used as like soft power for a country or like all of these different aspects. Uh, this semifinal in particular is tough for the neutral. Yeah. I threw the question out there onto Twitter tonight about, you know, what is the final that you want to see? What's the most palatable, least offensive final. And I yeah. got all different answers. <laughs> so I think that really shows you, how folks are feeling about this. Um, me personally, I would like to see PSG in the final. I don't care yeah. who they play. Uh, but I know that I know that their ownership and their whole, their whole stick is problematic. I, I got that, <laughs> but I, I hope they win the champions league. I hope they can make it to the final and win the champions league for the potential precedent. It might set for French football. Sure. Um, and, and maybe the power shift uh, in Europe. Uh, I think French football has long been the whipping boy for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, even though people seem, I mean, all the big leagues shop in France, but they want to call the league trash, and that's just simply yeah. not true. Um, there's yeah. just not enough money to go around outside of PSG in, in Ligue 1. So I want to see that. I hope it would prop up French football, maybe, even though a lot of French fans don't want to see PSG win, actually. Um, I want Neymar to be right for leaving Barcelona because I thought that was extremely brave slash stupid. Yeah. Um, but I would like to see it pay off because I think that he's <laughs> a he's a elite, elite talent. And it was a huge decision to make. No one no one makes that decision in their prime to leave Barcelona for, right. you know, a lesser team lesser i say in air quotes yeah um i think it would be cool for mbappe to stay because like he's long been talked about as like a, a given that he would move to real madrid and and i i don't know why that should be the case i think it would be cool if he makes a, a legacy in france as a frenchman 
Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll have, if he wins the Champions League, he'll have like completed football <laughs> by like true age 22 or whatever the hell. He's like still a child in my eyes. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, I just want to see PSG make it to the final and maybe win it, but I don't know. I, I, I'm not too bothered about who else makes it through, I suppose. Do you have any like takes on that, Phil? Who do you, who would you, who would be least offensive to you as a final? <laughs> so I agree. I agree with PSG. Um, not again, definitely not because of ownership. Like that is strictly a uh, yeah. playing personnel. And I would say, despite being a Liverpool fan and I don't no love loss for Tottenham, but mm. Pochettino making it to a final again and having a chance to redeem, you know, that, that, uh, final loss against against Liverpool a couple years ago. Um, that would have been great for the narrative if it could have <laughs> been a Liverpool PSG final, but UEFA, you know, couldn't uh, couldn't get it done, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> but on the other side, so yeah, it's PSG City, which is you know, so we got it's Qatar UAE battling it out for soft power supremacy in the Middle East. Um, the uh which airline is more luxurious uh <laughs> emirates or etihad <laughs> or no sorry qatar, what is it fly qatar or whatever um qatar. yeah i don't i don't know one of them. whichever qatari airline anyways like the qatari <laughs> government for versus the emirati government let's just have it out for once and for all um and then on the other side Madrid Chelsea is kind of it almost feels like old school mm-hmm. um in terms of like it's very it's very hip to hate on like these totalitarian regimes that rely on oil that rely on oil money it's very old school to hate on oil barons who move all their money <laughs> to England. Like that is that's old school Roman Abramovich. So um no, I I <laughs> I personally like I have to rooting is the wrong word, but I pull for Madrid to make it only because yeah. I have a deep deep dislike for Chelsea. Um like through to their core. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the more I think about it, the more I I do actually care <laughs> about that tie. I, I yeah. would rather see a Spanish team. And it just through. like it doesn't hurt me. Like as a Liverpool fan, and then like as a football fan, the idea of PSG winning or the idea of like uh, Madrid winning their like what is it now like fourteenth yeah. or whatever like Champions League, it just doesn't bother me. Like I just am numb to that. But the idea of Chelsea grabbing a second or City winning their first is like revolting, um, right? Because it's like you know they won't shut up about it. Exactly. So that's where that's where I'm at. Is like I think it would be I think it would be fine for PSG like to make it through, win the final. Like I think it would be a big boost um, to some of the players, as you said. Madrid, it's just like it's almost like city winning the premier league where it's just like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, that's, sure. That's like what they do. Can I say real quick? Like, you know, when Real Madrid won like La Decima, like that sounded sexy as hell. 14th in Spanish is not sexy. It's decimal cuarto. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> they just like, be. they just like refuse to call it anything until it's 20. 
Yeah, they're like, you know what? We're just gonna like stop the naming convention for now because we don't like how stop it's the but, count. Like, stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, decimo cuarto, like that's eh. Yeah. So too many syllables. That's how that's how I feel. Is like Madrid. Yeah. If Madrid wins, I feel numb. If PSG wins, I feel like a slight. Like, oh, good for them, like in terms of yeah. like the players involved and stuff. Um, not dissimilar to to Bayern winning last year where it was like, yeah. it was like, oh, that's really cool for like Lewandowski and and like Muller and, and some of these players who like, you know, they obviously beat Dortmund in that. <laughs> well, not Lewandowski, but, uh, you know, some of this Bayern team was around for that 2013 final. Now, mm-hmm. like that next generation gets a shot this PSG team like has a lot to prove and winning the champions league would be a lot of validation for a lot of people who have been like hated on for, for writer or wronger. Like they've been, they've been hated on a lot. And, and I think Neymar probably chief among them. Um, but it would be really interesting for a lot of people's legacies, uh, to, to get a win. Well, and also if I can do a petty pullover real quick, I I also would just love it if Pochettino (laughs) won just because, like, the sad Spurs fans would just, like, fill me with joy. I that's uh, (laughs) that's neither here. That is actually one concern. (laughs) My one concern about PSG is that I'm worried that I'm worried that Spurs fans will try to claim. They'll try to claim it. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. Oh, my God. Never mind. Uh, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. It's, It's definitely the most, like, you semi-final yeah. <laughs> like, no like, these what is this these last four teams there's no feel-good story like no like there was a couple years ago when like roma was in the semi-final and you're like yep. that's lit Ajax, like leon was in last year's like mm-hmm. <laughs> there were all there's always been someone to cling to yeah, in these like just like this is <laughs> like when someone says like modern football this is literally what they were describing like correct oh <laughs> uh, yeah you're right it's kind so, of yeah depressing. i mean I, even though i kind of like stand to psg just now i completely understand it. people would be like yeah. hell no yeah like i get that too so it's just yeah yeah odd one so the yeah the the next rounds of uh of the champions league are coming in the last week of April, the 27th. For some reason, they're playing both legs on the same day. I, I just don't even know anymore. Like probably at the I same time stat. too. Cause like, yeah, why, probably. why wouldn't, why would we want to watch? There's only two games on. Why would we possibly spread them out and be able to watch all of them? But anyways, yeah, <laughs> staggering them would just be foolish. Um, at the same time, the, we haven't talked Europa League and I'm not we're I, we're probably running like a little short on time but the second legs of the quarterfinals kick off tomorrow we've got four matchups none of them are settled I think it's safe to say yep but your club in particular Arsenal looked like they were going to escape with a with a 1-0 victory in that first leg it it ends one one against Slavia Prague, the most hated team in Europe at the moment. Um, yeah, and now Arsenal have to make the trip uh, to try to get a second leg victory here. How are you liking Arsenal's chances? 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, we should go through, but we have to make it hard on ourselves. I mean, the previous round two was tough with Olympiacos, like yeah. Um, and and I think for Arsenal, this this is our season tomorrow. <laughs> it really is because I just don't see a way back uh, into Europe via the Premier League. So if we don't continue to go forward in in Europa League this season, I just don't. I mean the season's a total bust. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to be positive and back the boys, but this is not a situation that we should ever have been in. <laughs> but we got to arsenal it up. So this yeah. is, this is game of Thrones. Like, like <laughs> is, is our current timeline game of Thrones or is it like normal? Is it like Lord of the Rings? Because oh God. if it's game of Thrones, Prague are going to win, right? Like mm. I'm, I'm thinking for those who know game of Thrones, like the red Viper fighting in the mountain, <laughs> that sort of shit where like you think he wins and then like he gets his head exploded. Like that's, you know, but it's a 50, 50 based on history Arsenal in the last eight occasions where they drew the first leg, they've mm-hmm. advanced four times. Okay. But they've been eliminated the last three times Cute. that they drew the first leg, which was in a Europe in any European competition, which was versus Liverpool in 08 Barcelona in 2010 in the champions league quarterfinals and at Atlet- Atletico Madrid in the Europa league semis in 2018. Yes. When so Achilles like exploded. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> history, recent history is not looking favorable, but overall it's about a 50, 50 shot, which I think is kind of common sense based on the fact the first leg ended one, one. Yeah. I just hope that like everyone's energy pulls us through because like you said, everyone's like fuck Slavia right now. So yeah. Arsenal got to do it for world peace. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we shall see. The world is, the world is pulling for Arsenal. Uh, Villarreal and Dinamo Zagreb, uh, which would have been Villarreal Tottenham in, in an alternate universe. Um, but Villarreal, Dinamo Zagreb, Villarreal have a one nil lead, but I mean, Zagreb overturned a deficit, against Tottenham. So like at one nil that that tie is like completely up in the air. It's completely up in the air. But again, I will never disrespect when I am re in the Europa League. No. I think he will find a way. <laughs> I think he will certainly find a way. Uh, Man United take on Granada. United take a two nil uh, lead into the second leg. And obviously that the first leg was on the road. So they have a little bit of an advantage with the away goals, but um, kind of felt like old, like, like early season United in that uh, not super clinical. And uh, they were awarded a penalty um, to get that second, (laughs) to get that second goal. True, true, but I do think they're probably like on balance, maybe the best team left. So yeah. no, I, do I see I, them. I do see them going through. I'd concede that. Um, <laughs> perhaps the most like watchable game, or the most the most neutral facing game, mm-hmm. Roma versus Ajax. Roma lead two one on aggregate, and again a chance. 
Ajax on the road, Roma with two away goals, but Ajax with a one nil win, uh, or sorry, with a two nil win could go through. So it's, uh, this is a really interesting matchup and again, all to play for. Yeah, I mean, Roma run, won the first leg with a late, late winner, but Paulo Lopez had to stand on his head for Roma. I think Ajax still are very much a threat on the attack, so um, don't let that first leg fool you. I think Ajax <laughs> still very much are, are in this. Um, and like you said, yeah, definitely probably the most watchful, and this will be at the Stadio Olimpico, so um, we'll see. I think that's That'll be fun. such an exciting one. That'll be fun. Well, uh, I think that brings us towards the end. Uh, yes. We've covered a lot of ground. We've got a big weekend ahead of us, I'm sure, as well. Right, <laughs> um, in the In the leagues because it absolutely does not relent at any point. Um, so um, I was wondering, Mika, if you wanted to add to the sounds of the season playlist or if you had thought of, of songs to add. I do. Did you think of some? I did. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> well, cool. We have our sounds of the season playlist that we add a couple songs to each week. Um, and you can find it on Spotify sounds of the season. It's alternative music of all sorts, everything from like pop punk to death core. So, um, if you're into any of <laughs> that, you can follow it on Spotify and, uh, yeah, I get a lot of enjoyment, uh, tossing it on shuffle because there is so much in there that like, there's literally something for everybody. Um, but Mika this week with, with the vibes, like what, what did you go with? So my two this week, the first one is, uh, madness by Silverstein. I think that's (laughs) self-explanatory. Um, and, and Silverstein is just always a gem. So I'm throwing that on there. And then the other one, uh, that I picked is a little bit different. Um, I don't think we've had a band of this exact genre on the, on the, on the playlist yet, but I've chosen take my head by turnover. Um, the lyrics of this song are incredibly morbid and depressing, but the jam is like folksy and like shoegazy (laughs) and fun. So I think it, I think it reflects a lot of what, uh, the fans of the eliminated sides are feeling where it's just like, you're like smiling, but you're like, kill me now. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's why I'm throwing this turnover song on, on the, on the list. But, uh, what do you got, Phil? Uh, so I have, I have a couple, uh, the first is, so for those who know, uh, Nigerian scams on Twitter, who I believe works for CBS and their socials, uh, around the champions league, um, AKA scam Allardyce, uh, I think <laughs> yeah. is his handle. Um, he, <laughs> He is a a big Manchester United fan. And so City going through tonight, uh, he he tweeted um during or like I think during the game that other team in Manchester, their fans love acting like woe is me. It's still so funny years later. And to any normal person, they would be like, Yeah, woe is me. Like uh they're feeling sorry for themselves. To a veteran of scene music in the mid two thousands when he said (laughs) their fans love acting like woe is me. 
<laughs> I made a niche tweet from hardcore football that said city fans, one shot to forgetting six shots to falling in the end, which is a, a line <laughs> from and delinquents, which is a, a song by woe is me. Um, city fans never lose your flames. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say like fame is greater than demise. Like that's a, so like, <laughs> so anyways, like if anyone understands those niche scene jokes or whatever uh woe is me and delinquents um was was the song that i that i put up um because of that tweet and then the second song i put up i went with uh with under oath um veteran veterans of the scene i went with a little bit of a like i don't want to say newer because this was like when i was in high school i think (laughs) but it's like but that's how old we are yeah (laughs) but it was like it you know it's after they're like you know uh they're big big songs i guess or like their breakout songs um from uh the album lost in the sound of separation uh the song anyone can dig a hole but it takes a real man to call it home which that's how (laughs) i'm feeling as a liverpool fan is like anybody can fuck up or whatever and and not be at the level that they need but it takes a real man to admit like you know what this is fine. (laughs) (laughs) This is fine. Dog in the house fire meme. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anyone can support Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool, but it takes a real man to support (laughs) through Hodgson and exactly stage, uh, Brendan Rogers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So So that's my, that's my, those are my two. Um, Love it. And also the songs both slap. So check it. I went like fully seen for both of them. So like they're kind of more specific. Uh, no, I was thinking too, when I was picking my songs, like under oath needs to come on here at some point. So I'm yes. glad, I'm glad that they're on there now. And some classic under oath, I'm sure will will make its way at some point. Um, absolutely. But well, that, that about does it for hardcore football. I hope you guys have enjoyed the episode. Uh, we certainly enjoyed putting it together for you. And, uh, like I said, at the top of the episode, if, uh, if you listen to this podcast on, you know, Apple, Spotify, Google play, whatever, um, you can probably find us, uh, definitely on the big ones and on most of the small ones, I think. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at HXC football, uh, for all of Mika's, uh, ridiculous memes and, and <laughs> solid takes at times and some, just some interesting polls and stuff like that. Uh, and you guys can, can link up with us there, but, uh, until next time, hopefully everyone is, uh, you know, doing well and, uh, recovering, able to maybe get out and do a little bit more stuff these days, uh, mm-hmm. and yes. kind of emerging from the, emerging from the quarantine and uh hopefully we'll be seeing everyone uh out and about soon yeah peace